G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We're going to talk some cricket because the Black Caps, they're resuming today. They've got South Africa 140 for five, 211 runs behind. The Black Caps were up against it in their first innings, but were bolstered by a great knock from one of their veterans. Oh, there he goes, there he goes, there he goes. Test match 100, number two for Colin de Grandholm. Scored at a time when New Zealand needed it most and scored in the entertaining fashion you expect from him. Very well played, sir. Very, very well played, as Macca alluded to. Craig McMillan doing the call there with our very own Baz McCullum. Colin de Gronholm scoring, scoring his second test century in emotional fashion. South Africa have come out to play in the second test, finally showing why Baz Hyped them up all those weeks ago. A great bowling effort late in the day yesterday, though, as the, as the Black Caps in the hunt. Peter Fulton is on the line now, and he's down in Christchurch. Morning, mate. Have you checked out Hagley at all lately? What's What's been happening, mate? How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, I haven't been I haven't been down to um, I haven't been down to watch any of the test matches live. It's um, obviously a little bit limit, yeah. little bit of a limit on crowds and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah. Hell of a performance in the first test by New Zealand, and I think this, um, I think the second test is shaping up. It's going to be a pretty exciting finish. Yeah, she's hard to pick, isn't it? I was um, having a wee conversation with Bears last night, just trying to get a lead into to what he's thinking. He's a bit on the fence too. It's pretty hard to say. Like obviously, two hundred eleven, you think that's achievable, but Ricardo alluded to it early on in the show. Two hundred and four has been the highest second in his total chase down at Hagley Oval. Uh, so what's what's your little take, mate? Will you see this? Will you see this gun? Um, well, I think obviously the you know bit of a cliche, but the first the first sort of forty minutes to an hour will be important this morning because if New Zealand mm. can pick up a couple of wickets, they can probably give themselves a chance to you know I guess chase something around that two fifty in in the last innings. I think mm. um, I think the wickets going to still be pretty good for batting, so that's certainly achievable. But yeah, like you say, whether it's at Hagley or any other ground around the world, you know, four things, run, chase, run, run chases are never easy. So, yeah, South Africa will be hoping they can get up to sort of 280 or anything over 300. Um, but, you know, it's going to be, like I said, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a pretty exciting finish. Yeah, yeah, Pete, looking forward to uh, day four getting underway today, mate. Um, the Black Caps uh, got it all to do with the ball. Um, what do you think? I mean, you know Hagley Oval better than most, mate, all your years playing for Canterbury and, and in the Black Caps. Um, I think, as, as he mentioned, you know, just over 200 is the most ever chased down in the fourth innings. Um, Conditions-wise and things, what's, it, what's that Hagley pitch do at about day four, day five? Oh look, I think it'll it'll still be pretty good for batting. I think part of the reason why you don't you haven't seen a lot of run chases in the fourth innings at Hagley is because the game's already over by the by the fourth innings. Um, and <laughs> yeah. and in recent times, it's because New Zealand have you know New Zealand have won pretty convincingly. So yeah, that that's the reason I think for the for the for the sort of that stat around the run chase. But um, 
Yeah, it, it'll be a good wicket. I think it'll be it probably at its, almost at its best today. I think, you know, I'm standing outside at the moment and it's going to be blue sky and, um, you know, a reasonable day, I think. So so that'll be that'll be in the batsman's favour if the sun comes out. Um, but like I say, it's, it'll come down to that first hour. We've got to we've got to try and get some get a couple of early wickets and and try and try and restrict the South Africans to as you know as low a score as possible. Now I heard uh, Baz McCullum on day one of the test uh, talking in commentary about Colin de Gronholm actually and saying that uh, he'd been talking to him pre-test match and said, "Look, mate, get, do us a favour. How do you actually?" pronounce your name how is it said properly is it the grand home the grand home does it what is it and um uh, dutchie's <clears> answer <throat> was i don't care so uh what ch- <laughs> what chance that i don't care is his new nickname in the sheds oh yeah yeah, yeah you've got a, i mean you've got a few nicknames um can't repeat all of them on the radio but um yeah like i said that, that probably that probably sums them up because sometimes when you you know sometimes when you watch him back you think he doesn't care either but um but but he does. I know he does. He takes you know he takes a lot of pride in his performance and um, yeah. He sort of I guess two or three months ago you probably wondered maybe if his international career was over um, for New Zealand. He's sort of out of the side and yeah to come to come back the way he did and you know in the context of a game 120 not out um, you know that's that's going to be that's going to be right up there if you know New Zealand can get this win. Mate, some some pretty proud performances, uh, particularly in that first test, and then Matt Henry uh, following on in, in the second test. Mate, is your Canterbury coach and and some proud Cantab players there really stepping up to the mark for you, mate? Mate, you've been pretty proud to see the boys Henry Nichols in the first and then get a century, and Matt Henry the way he was able to bowl and you know his back against the wall getting an opportunity with Trent bowled out and, and really relishing and taking that opportunity for you, mate. You must be pretty proud to see that. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see those guys have success. And you know, you touched on Henry Nichols. He didn't, you know, he hadn't really, he hadn't played a game for about three weeks because he did, um, you know, his his wife had, you know, just had the first yeah. first child. So um, he he didn't hadn't had much preparation at all. So it just shows the, you know, I guess how important the mental side of the game is. Um, that he was able to get that hundred in the first test. He looked really good in the second innings. Uh, sorry, in the first innings of the second test too. So great for him and. Yeah, as you said, Matt Henry, um, just a real good team guy. You know, quite often, you know, I don't know how many times he would have been 12th, 12th man for New Zealand, but it's a lot. Um, never complains, just gets on with the job and yeah, got his got his opportunity and that's what everyone always talks about. You know, when you get an opportunity, you've got to take it. And um, there's probably probably a few people in that uh, sort of New Zealand <clears throat> coaching setup who were, who were quite glad that they didn't have to make a decision between... You know, between the, the fast bowlers as to who to who to leave out for the second test, they're probably quite happy that yeah that Trent was was going to have another week at home. Well, I actually got to ask you. I've seen a bit of chat about this, Pete, on uh, amongst uh, Black Caps fans online. Uh, given that Matt Henry obviously got sixty in the last test, and uh, and Wags got forty nine, and we know Jamison can hold a bat, is it time to drop Tim Southey to number eleven? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, like I said, they haven't they haven't done it yet. So yeah, try they, telling Timmy that now, he's an angry yeah, bugger. He, I, he, yeah, he gets, he, he's very he gets he gets very prickly when you start when you start talking about that. He's he's got, he's got a few stats and about his average and you know things how many fifties he's got and things like that. But um, yeah, I, like I said, they haven't they haven't done it they haven't done it so far. So it's probably one of those where like does it does it make that much difference in the context of the game? You certainly. Um, you know, you don't you don't want to make Saudi angry because you know he's such an important part of the bowling attack. So maybe you just you know 
you just bite bite the bullet and just you know try and keep try and keep on his good side. Yeah, mate. <laughs> I had a wee run in with uh, Tim Sally when I was in my younger days playing for CD as ND, and oh my goodness, what an absolute heckler he was! Very, very fiery, <laughs> passionate, passionate as they come, mate. Quickly, um, just just have a quick uh, conversation with you about the current Black uh, Black Cap squad, and uh, they had some success at the Halbergs and well deserved as well. Um, you know, team of the year and. Kane Williamson, Sportsman of the Year for, for the men's um, athletes. So they've had a lot of success, and you've been a part of that environment. You've been a uh, batting coach. You've played for the Black Cats. For you, mate, what's your, what's your initial uh, thoughts on, on how the you know, Black Cats have been going as of late, and what, what do you think it's come down to? Uh, you, and tell us about Gary Stead and his direction he's been able to instill into the squad. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just really cool to see when you think, I, I know for myself growing up, um, you know, the New Zealand team, like we always, we always sort of punched above our weight, I guess you'd say. And, you know, anytime you, you know, you you get, get the odd win against England or Australia or South Africa, or, you know, you'd sort of be like, you know, that's, that's pretty cool to be able to compete with those teams. But I think the way that the team now um, go into those sort of, those games or those series, just actually thinking, not just hoping they're going to win, but, Sort of, I guess, believing that they they can win and they should win. Um, so mm. that that's, that sort of probably sums up, I guess, where the where the team's at at the moment. They've got a lot of self belief, and you know that comes from a few things. But um, I think first and foremost, I mean, they've got. You know, when you look at Kane, you know, Ross Taylor who's just who's just sort of finished or about to finish. Um, you know, Trent Bolt, Tim Southey. They've got. I've got some, you know, Devin Conway, Kyle Jameson. They've got some guys who are sort of right up there in terms of world-class players. Um, you know, and then you throw, throw in the likes of Tom Latham and Henry Nichols and Neil Wagner. So, yeah, first and foremost, it starts with some great players. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't just happen by accident. I guess it's a reflection on, you know, the, the Black Cats coaching staff, the support staff, the, um, you know, New Zealand cricket as a whole have, you know, obviously developed a really good sort of pathway for the young guys to come through and, um, you know, continue to get better. So you, you feel the, the general public, the Black Caps, are expected to win every match now with how they've been performing as of late? Oh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, um, I think unless you go to, unless you're going to play test matches in India or probably test matches in Australia, I think, um, I think now we're at the stage where, yeah, just about any game we walk on the field, the, the, the public would sort of expect the Black Caps to win, which, you know, as you guys would know, sort of, you know, 10 years ago, that certainly wasn't the case. How does that change the mentality yeah. in the dressing room, Pete, when you, you know, you, you've sort of gone from being, you know, trying to fire the boys up to, to you know, sort of overcome a team to being the team that somebody's chasing? Oh, I mean, yeah, it is, a, it is a slightly different mindset, but I think we saw that probably even yesterday. Um, you know, 100 and 150 for five or whatever we were at the start of the day, you're probably thinking, well, South Africa are going to have a pretty big lead here. Um, mm. to, to fast forward to the end of the end of the day's play, and yep, South Africa, you probably still say are on top, um, but but there'll be a lot of belief in that New Zealand dressing room that they can they can bowl them out and chase 250, 260, um, you know, and get the win. And again, that's that's not something that would have happened in the past. So. Um, yeah, a lot of, lot of really mentally strong cricketers in that in that dressing room, and um, yeah, that's a big part of why they're having so much success. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you, Peter Fulton, uh, former batting coach for the Black Cats, current coach for Canterbury, absolute champion. Mate, quickly, before we let you go, Black Clash, did you just say, look, I don't want to go and embarrass Caelan Bosch here again and, <laughs> and hit him for 70-off one over, or did you just, you know, because of how you played, they were like, look, we just want to even that. What happened there? You didn't get the call or what? No, nah, well, mate, I, I thought after after watching this year's performance, um, yeah, it was probably the other way around. I think the I think the cricket players, I think we got we got embarrassed this year, so maybe maybe the, they were just trying to even it up. But um, no, nah, no, nah, in all seriousness, we had a we uh, I was keen to play, but we had a we had a game the day before, a T Twenty game the, the day before, and we had a T Twenty game yeah. the day after. So I didn't think it'd be a great look yeah. for the for the coach to to miss the training before the <laughs> before the game, and 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 also uh, based on. Based on previous years, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure I was going to be in peak physical fitness on the on the on the day of our game. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was probably best just to stay away for for, for a season. Ho- hopefully next year, the hopefully next year the schedule's a bit different and we can uh, I can get back there. Well, I think the rugby players were actually quite glad you weren't there, mate, because I was standing in the field watching you absolutely annihilate Caelan Boschier, and I was just kept giving you a bit of stick, and you just kept laughing at me. And I was like. Poor fella, he's got no confidence. But mate, oh, you're dead he's, right. he's going alright. He's got a, he's going, he's going alright. He's got a, you know, he's playing Super Rugby. He's, you know, he's alright. Yeah, he he's going, he, he he's going right. good for the Chiefs. <laughs> he's going good for the Chiefs. Another talented, another talented sportsman in New Zealand, mate. Appreciate your time on the show, Peter Fulton, uh, absolute champion, mate. And uh, we'll catch up very, very shortly. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Brando underneath of it starting to come home strongly now and then we've got Amaradinia starting to put him in the middle and running on on the inside has to bro here Mascarpone at the 1600 and the big bull chestnuts too good Mascarpone's got it Mascarpone too good following a streak of five consecutive placings Mascarpone was finally able to finish on top to claim his first Group 1 over the weekend at Ōtaki. Young jockey Wurumu Pin rode the five-year-old Gauding beautifully to fend off two Jamie Richards-trained runners in a tough-fought victory. After such a superb win on another good day of racing, we thought we'd catch up with one of Mascarpone's trainers, Debbie Rogerson, to talk about the race. Good morning, Deb. Good morning. How are you? Very, very good. How are you? Tell us about the celebrations on Saturday. You must have been right up and about. Tell us about the weekend. Well, we really rode them home. <laughs> I think we rode them <laughs> home. It was, um, no, to be fair, it was a, um, a very good ride by the um, young boy. He rode the track perfect, and it was just a great result for the horse. How satisfying. How satisfying was it to see oh, the, final, it, the horse very- finally put it together? Yeah, it is. You know, um, to win Group One races, uh, they're very hard to win, and uh, it was mm. just a great all-round team effort. Um, everybody's worked hard on the horse, and it was just so satisfying to uh, win with the horse. Were you always confident that it could win over sixteen hundred? Do you think that that was the perfect distance for um, Mascarpone? Yeah, well, he went a top race um, in the fourteen hundred at Tirapa. Uh, the two horses that mm. beat him are very, very good horses. And he did have a couple of runs as a three-year-old over the mile, and he ran third and a fifth, but he wasn't strong enough then. And after Tirapa, Graham discussed it and everything, and he said, no, I think he can get, a, get at the mile over a soft lead. He's a lot stronger. 
and uh, he said, mm. I'm going to set him for that race, and um, it all come to plan. I think it came to plan all right, because when he, when he came around the corner and he was leading, he just kept going, kept going, even past the finish line. You think it would keep going to 2,000 metres away at storm time. So what next? What's next for, for this horse coming going forward? Well, he's travelled home good, and um, yep. we're probably looking at um, April the 2nd. There's a listed race at um, 1,400 at Arapuni. So he could go mm. there, and then we might give him one run over 2,000 metres. Probably all going well, the Canterbury Gold Cup down at Rickerton, and then he'll go out for a mm. spell and then get ready for spring racing. But that's all going well, oh, and weather. All go. Yeah, weather plays a big part. What about Watermoo? Watermoo Pin, mate. He, I've been watching following his progress as of late, and he's been riding some winners, so he must be pretty happy with that connection, being able to get a, one of the, you know, Form jockeys on on, on uh, Muscapine. Yeah, he has been riding well, and he does ride a little bit for us. And um, mm. you know, uh, all credit. It was a very good ride on the horse, and uh, the horse ran for him, and he had his ears pricked going to the line, going away. So it's a really good sign as well. Um, but no, you know, the boy will ride a lot more Group One winners the way he rode on Saturday. Oh, you sound a bit more livelier than, than a lot of the past trainers that we've had on after a group group one. Surely you had a couple of celebrations on Saturday afternoon and into the night. Oh, yeah, just a couple of wines that night, but uh, very quiet because it's back to normal, 3.30 starts, so, um, you know, <laughs> it always goes on. Oh, we know, we know. We're up at 4.30 over here on Bears and Izzy for breakfast, so we know, we know what it's all about. But, no, we really appreciate uh, your time, congratulations as well on, on Mascarpone's win, um, beating some some quality horses, Hassebro, Brando, and, and Jamie Richards, uh, obviously a quality trainer. So get one up over the over the blokes. Well done, Debbie. Great, thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> there you go, De- Debbie Rogerson talking about Mascarpone's win. Mascarpone, I should say, is winning Ortucky. Did anyone get on that? Did anyone get on Mascarpone? Paying nine dollars forty on the tote. Give us a text, double eight, double three, because I didn't. Surely I didn't. Hassabro, I've backed that a few times and something I've followed in. Surely my, I think my dad would have backed Hassabro because he's won a few on Hassabro as well. But well done to Debbie Rogerson and Mascarpone winning the El Cheapo Classic. Group one, 220,000. Big ones at stake there. And she's talking about maybe going to the 2,000 metre, um, going a bit extra because the way it's stormed home on the straight, I wouldn't be surprised if it can go further and maybe push out the distance a wee bit more. Well, on Saturday night, we witnessed a thrilling affair between the Blues and the Hurricanes at Forsyth Bar with just over 10 minutes left to play in the game. It looked all but over before Celesi, Hops Magoo, Rayasi scored back-to-back tries, leading to this moment. Quickly through the hands, Ben May with a lovely ball. Oh, Sullivan breaks the tackle! Wow, I was right there, sideline. Ali Savia running down there and just, I couldn't believe it. What was I witnessing? Great commentary from the Sky team there as Ali Savia flew down the, the wing to score an incredible try under the post as well. Oh, every kicker would love that, seeing him doing his work to get under the post and making an easy kick to snatch the win away from the Aucklanders. It was Rayasi's hat-trick. However, that was the highlight of the game and we have our young winger, 
on the line with us now for our McCafe morning catch-up with the one and only Celeste Rayasi. Good morning, brother. Morning, morning, Izzy. How are you, mate? How are you? Must have been a good flight home, eh? Been a while since you've been home. It was very, very happy flight back to back to Wellington. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, flew back in yesterday, Avo. Um, but um, I guess it was probably a really long bus ride back from Dennis to QT. Um, so celebrations, I sort of put it on hold just because, you know, it was a pretty long bus ride back. But yeah, apart from that, um, boys are pretty happy. Yeah, mate. I bet you were. I was down there witnessing it for you, mate. You must have been pretty happy with with your performance, particularly in that first half when when uh, Blues had you under so much pressure and you made the decision to, to come out of line and... I'm pretty sure they had a little overlap and you made that good decision to get an inset, but your performance, mate, you must be pretty happy with how you're tracking so far. Yeah, pretty happy, I think. Um, I recall from my memory, I think Seizure screamed to me, get wider, and then <laughs> just sort of looked and <laughs> realised, oh, yeah, true, you're probably right there, Corey. So I got a little bit wider and then I was able to get <laughs> yeah. No, thanks to Corey for that one. But, um, yeah, no, I was just yeah, pretty happy to um, help the boys out. Um, I think everyone's just in general. Um, you know, the fact that we uh, stuck in and hung, hung in there. Um, yeah. Yeah, mate, tell us about the messages. What, what, what were the messages for you guys to be able to, you know, dig deep and stay in the fight? Like, what, what was Artie saying to you out on the field? Um, you know, your drivers guard and bash it to actually just keep using that moment. Because I'll be honest, the Blues were playing some fantastic football they were putting you under pressure particularly at the breakdown I thought their breakdown effort was was fantastic they, they, they were you know cleaning over they were counter-rucking um, you know putting your ball under a ton of pressure but what, what was Zardi and the likes of Saintiers out there? Yeah I think in that last quarter uh, of the second half I think Artie just came with a message that you know and I, I think it came from upstairs but he, he sort of drove the um, emphasis that you know we're going to keep the ball and Look to have a crack from our own half of you know um, off our exit zone, which was um, you know at the time we were thinking oh so, like you know that's um, that's fine. We just you know we just put emphasis on it as well that you know we need to make sure we, you know breakdowns are secure and uh, where they're in numbers and whatnot. And uh, once we started to get a roll on, and I think maybe after in there um, twenty two. Um, I don't know how many times we got there, but, but I think one, one of the times that we scored when we were down there, um, yeah, he drove that message um, in our huddle um, just before we received the kickoff, and then from there, I think we, I think bus carried straight off the kickoff and made like a thirty-meter mm-hmm. you know, line break or forty-meter line break, and then uh, you know from there, I had a feeling that we're kind of on to we might score off this, and then yeah, went back the other side and then ended up scoring off Balin and Marty. Uh, Salisi, it's Ricardo here, bro. Um, I, I mean, it was a fantastic hey, performance from you here. Hey, bro. Uh, fantastic performance from you on the weekend, mate. And I've I got to say, I've got to ask you this question. Uh, ben May, he was he was ripped off from a, a try set up last week against the Crusaders from a dodgy TMO decision. And we saw, we just heard that hey, audio hey. before we got you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, calm down. <laughs> calm down. Uh, but, we, uh, you know, we heard that audio just as you came on. I mean, it was him that started. Is, is he the best offloading prop in New Zealand at the moment? He's got great hands. He he does. Yeah, he's got he's got very big hands, BMA. Um, he yeah, he does love an offload. Um, 
but it, it's probably I I put him up there, um, Bama. But you know, um, mm. he's definitely um, he's definitely got a good skill set for a big man. Mate, what's he brought into the environment? He ran past me when he was warming up, and I just couldn't believe. I was, hey, you're still going? That's what I yelled out to Bama. He's 39 <laughs> years of age, mate. He's he's still playing like he's 30. But mate, what's he been like yeah. in the environment? No, he's been awesome. He's been awesome. He's been, um, yeah. I guess he's just been a, a real store for, and I, and not just I guess the, the leaders, but more so the younger guys to look up to and. Um, ask for tips and stuff like that um you know i'm probably not the right person to talk about propping dark arts and stuff like that but <laughs> it sort of helps out it sort of helps out all those younger guys um just with you know everything and um he's probably the only prop forward that i know that has an eight pack so <laughs> yeah you're right mate he's he's in great nick i, I gotta got agree with you there but, hey quickly just t- t- two weeks in a row two weeks in a row you've your side has been able to put some fantastic rugby together for 15 minutes, particularly towards the end of the second half. Um, what were the messages from, from Jason Holland, and how do you guys overcome that so you're able to give yourselves better chances throughout the entire match? So you can, do you go back and look at that 15 minutes and, and kind of get an understanding of what you're doing well there and try and, and do that for the game? Or is there other contributing factors of why you haven't been able to to perform for for the whole match. Yeah, I, I think it's probably the, uh, you know a little bit of that, you know, um, you know, and also you know sometimes we just I think we don't really start off on the right foot. Um, I think we received the kickoff in the first half, and then I want you know I started the game, and then we end up turning it over. So like you know I think we don't just give ourselves chances to um, you know get on a momentum or you know get on a roll, mm. um, and. I guess that last 15 minutes was probably, um, a perfect, you know, a perfect example of that. When you know, when we get on a roll, we're able to, you know, get some momentum and confidence, and and then we're able to, um, you know, play our style of footy. But it's probably, yeah, I think it's just, you know, we just need to start well at, at first um, as a starter, and then from there we can, you know, build on top. But um, it's kind of hard when you're trying to start from, you know, nothing, or you know, it's quite hard to start when it's just quite static and. Um, is it, you know, especially in this competition, is it a mental uh, thing? You know, you, is it a preparation? Uh, or is, it, is it a is a, a mental? You know, just boys are just not switched on, or, or is it yeah you know, easy fix or you know something like? That? Yeah, I think it's yeah it's an easy fix. I you know I, I I think we you know trained quite um, well during the week and we were quite prepared. Um, but then again, you know you kind of don't know until you sort of chucked in the deep end, mm. and then um, I guess we found out. You know, the first few minutes we were under the pump. You know, the Blues are into the, you know, into us straight away. So, yeah, we just need to start yeah. a little. Definitely, we need to start better. You know, for us to actually get a roll on. You know, because I mean, we've got to try and learn. You know, from our mistakes. So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's probably a starting point for us. And then obviously, we'll try to figure everything out on the run. But yeah, I think it's just for us. We'll start with something first. Yes, uh, Salisi Riasi here with us on uh, Rick and Izzy for breakfast at 14 past eight. The hat trick hero for the Canes on the weekend, mate. Uh, let's turn it up to the to the to the positive side of that comeback, mate. It's uh, two weeks in a row that uh, late in the game you've given teams you know problems. You gave the Crusaders a fright, and you obviously come back and won that game against the Blues. Uh, what does that say? Do you think about your conditioning? Do you feel like you're fitter than the other two teams you've played? And what was your preseason like? Yeah. Um... 
Yeah, preseason was pretty. Um, Dash or David Wild Dash gave us a um, program for us. David and Gray. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> David Gray was helping us as well, and um, you know, so we had a, a pretty thorough preseason, and um, we had these um, Santo watches that was given to us by our sponsors, but they made us um, link it up and made it public so that they could watch us do our running blocks to see if we were, so you couldn't really hide, but um, yeah, I guess coming back into that pre-season from uh, Christmas, you know, obviously starting on January 6th, um, yeah, the um, strength and conditioning coaches um, definitely made an emphasis on us getting some running in, and, and then contact was probably a little bit later on uh, coming towards pre-season. Awesome, mate. Well, congratulations on that performance. Um, you know, whew, that would have done wonders for the for the lads. Um, you know, going back back home to Sky City with the win. Corey Jane was up and about. I must say, caught up with him. He was fizzing, mate. Tell us about being home and and you're back to Sky Stadium this weekend against the Hollanders. Um, tell us about the week, mate. You're looking forward to to ripping in this weekend and and getting some preparation at home in your own bed. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely looking forward to it. Um, probably going to miss QT, though. A bit of nice golf courses down there and whatnot, but um, uh, oh. I think everyone's pretty happy to be back home and get back with their families and um, partners and stuff like that. So um, now it'd be awesome to get back out there and get back to the Sky Stadium, to the Caketon, and, um, you know, play at home again. And we've got the Landers coming up as well, so I think everyone's pretty excited with this week. Hey, Silesi, a lot of people were talking about uh, this bloke, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, that uh, the Blues are signed for this season. Um, how did you find being out on the field with him? Did he stand out, you know, sort of in terms of having, having to defend him, or was he just like any other 12 that you've played against? Oh, he was, yeah, he was, I, I thought he had a really impressive game. Um, his first game, you know, his carries and stuff like that, I think he was quite elusive. Yeah, he didn't just sort of, you know, try to T-bone guys and just run into traffic, you know, and he'd, you know, use his footwork, lay it at the line and, you know, try to get a weak shoulder and get him behind the game line. So I thought, you know, from there, I thought he was, you know, really impressive and it was pretty hard to contain when you gave him time and ball. But, you know, at times he, you know, made the right decision to carry and look for an offload. He did that quite well, to be honest. Yeah, I totally, totally agree, mate. I thought he was outstanding and he's only going to get better and better with time on the field. Quickly, before we let you go, mate, your golf game. If, uh, if anyone out there hasn't seen Celesi play ball, basketball, he is fantastic. He's outstanding. Honestly, a freakish talent. Get him on the court, he'll break some ankles. I'm sure he's broken TJ's knee a few times out on the court. But, mate, <laughs> tell us about your golf game. Any good? Um, yeah, it's all right. Um, I probably need to work a lot more on my short game. Um, <laughs> probably something that I you know, definitely need to do, but probably spend too much time at the range trying to really hit bombs off the driver, but um, it's all right at the moment. Um, I think having Geordie there and a couple of other boys that um, play golf and a bit of hackers and stuff like that, they all play, they're all keen, so we try to get out a lot. Um, yeah, that, it's all right at the moment. It's not the, great, it's not the best thing. Well, what'd you shoot? Give us a score. Give us one of your scores. Uh, Jack's point. Um, I shot eighty-six. Um, oh, I, I shot even on the front nine, and then I shot um, yeah. fifty on the back nine. I blew out. Oh. So I think I think the front nine. The only thing I was doing was probably I was using my iron, my um, to 
drive off the tee bot, but then once I put it in my driver out, you know, it's getting punished. Man, that's a good course too. That is tough, tough. I was, I was thinking you're going to shoot 90s, but 86, mate, you'd take that even on the front. Put the driver away, bro. Nah, and saying that, nah, 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 never. If you drive off the tee, don't come play golf with me, bro. I am driver all day off the tee block. Don't bloody bring your iron out of <laughs> that little short stick. The little chicken stick, I call it. Don't bring that out when you come play with me, brother. <laughs> nah, awesome work, man. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show, and uh, congratulations with your performance uh, on the weekend, and, and congratulations on getting the win late in the dying minutes against the Blues. Good, good luck this weekend against the Hollanders. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks for having me. There you go. So Leslie Rayashi, he's, he's a talent, man. Very, very talented, like basketball freakish. And then he's shooting even on the front nine at Jack's Point. If you've ever played Jack's Point, she has a tough, tough course. And golf is a tough sport, but... um. Yeah, that was awesome. It was. I, I haven't played. I haven't played golf in ages, mate. I, I, I gave it away. Gave, even gave my clubs away. I just kind of was like, nah, nah, don't have time. No, nah, <laughs> enough. I'm out. I'm out. But I, I used to have problems with my driver, so I ended up getting a two mm. iron, and I'd use a two iron off the off, off the tee a lot, mm. and um, and, and that actually went pretty, that went pretty well for me for, for for quite a while. That was probably I, I did prefer the stick, as you call it, Izzy. I did prefer the stick <laughs> to, the, stick. to the big driver, the chicken nah. stick. Don't use the chicken stick off the tee, mate. That's that's my game. If I'll just go, my driver's it's good. It's my game, but it also lets me down. It can go wayward. Very, it can go very, very bad. Well, um, so like I can understand why it. he's going with the chicken stick. <laughs> it sounded like that happened. <laughs> so Lisi on that on that on that back nine, mate. I, it reminds me though of uh, you remember Lee Trevino, the golfer, the you know, the legendary old yeah. American golfer. There's a great story yeah. about him about you know how uh, he always carried a one iron in his bag. And um and mm. people was like, Why well, you got a one iron, you know, so hard to hit and uh, yeah, they were playing I can't remember where the tournament was, but there was one of those thunderstorms of the lightning where they have to clear the course and he pulled his one iron mm. out and stood there with it like above his head and people were like, What are you doing? He's like, Not even God can hit a one iron. I'm good. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> if you can hit a one iron, you can do anything. Apparently those things are like hitting concrete on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, no mate. I'm I'm driver all day. Don't ever bring out the iron if you come out and play with me on the golf course. But anyway, that was Celeste Rayasi. Hat trick of tries and the Blues obviously going down against the Hurricanes in the dying minutes. Here's one of the shining lights for the Hurricanes. That was, that was our Mick Cafe coffee catch-up. And just uh, just giving you an update from the Carabao Cup final. Uh, it's on pens. No one's missed yet. It's uh, 7-6 to Liverpool. And uh, Kante and Golo Kante has just scored as well, so it's seven all. So no one's missed yet. It's uh, sudden death on the penalties. Ooh, there you go. Sudden death. We'll get a wee update shortly, but shortly we're going to chat to Paulie Moati. I've got a text message come through quickly. Come on, Izzy. It's not how. It's how many. Oh, okay. Okay. It's not how you get to the hole, eh? It's just get it in the hole. You're right, mate. They don't take photos of how you get it in there. They just... Get the ball in the hole. You're right. Anyway, you're listening to Baz and Izzy. Oh, Baz and Rick and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to Kenneth Sweethouse. Great savings every day. Time for our Monday morning News S health check. This morning is with New Zealand-born award-winning veteran stunt double, performer and stunt coordinator Dana Grant. She's worked on productions such as Mad Max, Fury Road, Xena, Warrior Princess and more recently, recently the new Amazon series Lord of the Rings. She's a, it's a fascinating story. 
that I look forward to sharing with you all. She's on the line this morning. Good morning, Dana. Good morning. How are you doing? I am doing very, very well. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us this morning. Um, quickly, I've, I've been reading your story uh, this morning online and, and got a bit of a, up, up, you know, a bit of a understanding of, of your situation and, and the, the news that you had to acquire surgery last year and there were some amazing um, donations out there from the public. Lucy Lawless matching all of the Xenia Warrior Princesses uh, fans' um, donations. But quickly, how are you doing? How are you doing? Have you had the surgery and how are you, um, how are you feeling? Yeah, no, I'm doing, I'm doing awesome, thank you. Pretty much back to about nine, I'd say 100% I've just got... Um, about 90% vision back in my left eye. Now I'd lost all vision in my left eye. So um, you had brain brain surgery um, in June last year Um, and been rehabbing ever since and pretty much back to 100%, which is amazing. Thank you. Oh, that's amazing. That's great news to hear. Quickly, can you just give us a lead into what happened? Is how this hap- I know you're doing stunts, and wow, take my hat off to you for doing that, putting your body on the line, but when, when did you learn the news? Um, so I um, had an accident, and it was in about March last year, and then um, mm. quite a big concussion and had um, pretty bad symptoms um, ever since, since. and then um, they looked into it further and then figured out that it, I had a brain aneurysm, and um, yeah, and then... Um, everyone ends up pitching in and, and funding to get my surgery quicker. Um, and then, mm. yeah, that's about it, really. <laughs> lucky. Awesome. Lucky. Very lucky they, they very, caught very. when they did. Yeah, mm. yeah. Sure. But, yeah. Now, uh, Dana, you've obviously you've worked on a ton of productions, including uh, one of my favourite horror movies, Thirty Days of Night. So, uh, oh. I love you. I love you. I love your bio, mate. I love your bio. But I, I mean, after all these years in the business, you must have uh, some pretty good phone numbers in your in your phone. If I was to if I was to confiscate your phone and go through it, who's the most famous name I'm going to find <laughs> in, your, in your phone directory? <laughs> oh, oh, I can't say that. Someone might steal my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you mine's Izzy's, so uh, can you beat that? <laughs> she can definitely beat that, mate. She's in the bloody, she's in Hollywood. Surely there'll be some big names. Uh, Give us get one. A lot of people that you double. You get, you get a lot of people that you double in that. Have a look through who I've doubled. <laughs> oh. Definitely yeah. Lucy Lawless. How'd you get into stunts? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My favourite. You better hide that one. <laughs> so how'd you get how into doing stunts? Um, yeah. I just went along for an audition. Like this is twenty. Oh my god, to show my age. Twenty-five years ago now. Um, yeah. And um, I didn't even know what it was. I had friends that did it. Come along to the audition. I was like, okay, sweet as went long and and yeah, got the job. So um, kind of thrown in the deep end at the time and was doubling Lucy. Right from my first job, and um, and uh, yeah, I've done it ever since. Travelled around the world doing it, and love it. And now teach. Do I own and started New Zealand Stunt School in 2010, and have been training all the up and coming stunt performers and action extras and actors that just want to do stunts. Um, yeah, that's about, that's about my story. Really. What's the 
What's the craziest stunt you've done? What's, tell us something crazy that you've put yourself, your body through. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you, that's probably the hardest question that anyone asks a stunt for, I think. Because they, <laughs> they're a little bit crazy. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you ride on the bonnet of cars that are, that are um, like at the, um, like drifting cars and hitting, hit, like I was on the bottom of another car and hitting another car, another car hits me and then I've jumped off buildings on fire and um, I don't know, there's heaps, heaps of stuff, car car crashes and horse stunts and um, just anything that you kind of get asked to do at so, the time. I think so surely, do it. yeah. So surely these these superstars they get paid billions and billions of dollars. Surely you're on double that because you're putting your body on the line. Surely. Oh man, I'm just saying you double. Yeah. No, so you, you can't even get brain surgery if you need it. But yeah. <laughs> that's all right. Oh. But we have a fun job. You know, I'd um, rather be doing this than, than learning a whole lot of dialogue. So. <laughs> yeah, true that, true that. Just just hit me with something and I'll fall over, and that's that's way better than having to learn all those lines, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, Dana, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I, I used to go. I'm, I'm wondering if you know that this is, this is one of those. I wonder if you know chats, but I used to go yeah. to school with a, blo- a guy who's in stunts, and I saw, I saw, I haven't seen him in years. Saw him on the, on the set of Ash vs Evil Dead season two. Um, yeah. Alan Poppleton, you know him? I love Alan. Yeah, we've been, we've been doing it together for the last twenty five years. Yeah, he's one of my very, very good mates. Yeah, he's yeah awesome. we. we we went to yeah. school together. I know he did all the sword stuff for Last Samurai, didn't he? Did all that, did, did all that sort of stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah, he's done heaps. Yeah, heaps and of he's, big got, he's all around the world doing stuff. He's, he's got multiple sort of black belts, multiple different martial arts. What about you? What, what sort of what sort of belts? What sort of martial arts have you done for for you know sort of all the fight stuff that you do? Um, I I wouldn't say I've got any belts. I mean, you, you're sort of jack of all trades, master of none. You try and pick up all the different arts. You know, you do a bit of wushu, you do a bit of Muay Thai, do it, but every you sort of pick up whatever you whatever you can, little bits of everything that you can put into into film, but don't really master at anything. You don't have time to master it at it. But um, I mean, you just do a different hot bunch of martial arts, and all in all, the also everything else like um, the horses and the trick riding and the archery and the, um, oh, everything. You sort of just. Try and do a lot of every, a lot of lot of different things instead of just mastering one thing. Wow! Well, there you go. That is Dana Grant. She's a stunt woman. She's doing crazy things, and I'm sure Newsest will give you all the substances to to be able to, well, just get you your body into peak performance so you can achieve what you're trying to achieve oh, on the crazy, crazy things you've done. So <laughs> we've got to let yeah, you go. Oh, Sorry, Dana. We've got to let. No problem. <laughs>